What is up, everyone? I am Charlie Shrem. It is good to be back in the saddle, and you are listening and watching Untold Stories, where twice a week I get to dive deep with some of crypto's most influential leaders and really, really find out how this movement came to be. And I'm so excited that I get to be joined today by my good friend, Michael Turpin. Michael, you're coming to us from, from Puerto Rico, from San Juan, and I was just there last week. We got to hang out. It's warmer there. It's colder here. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's my great pleasure to be here, Charlie. Michael, you you were one of the, the founders of, of BitAngels in 2013 with David Johnston and Sam Yelnats, and, and it was one of the first angel networks for, for Bitcoin and digital currency startups. And back then, I remember when, when we were sitting and talking about it, you were saying to me, well, we're going we're gonna to launch a fund and we're going to invest in all these projects that are supporting crypto. And I'm like, who are you? What the hell is a fund? <laughs> and what the hell is crypto? What is, all I know is Bitcoin. All we know is Bitcoin. How did you have like the pre pre ideas and requisites thinking that eventually tokens would exist, security tokens would exist, company, all these things down the road ended up existing. But you guys had you guys, the three of you almost like had to say this will exist and we need to create the funds and the business models and the support for them now. Yeah, I mean, I would say that my interest was just coming in in early 2013, and uh, David and Sam had been investing in Bitcoin since 2012. Uh, you know, looking at this and saying that this is going to just blow up. I mean, I think I'm good at sort of seeing things early that are that are you know see sort of through the weeds that it's going to be you know world dominating someday. I saw that really with you know the with the web back in '92 and '93. Um, and people were still as late as 95, 96 saying, ah, this is never going to work. What's e-commerce? You know, Amazon is way smaller than my local shopping mall. It's never going to work. No one's going to ever, you know, go to Netflix instead of uh, Blockbuster. And obviously they got bulldozed over by history. And uh, I sort of saw, you know, the same script being written in the, in the next, you know, coming years. And I remember seeing at the Bitcoin Foundation initial conference uh, which is where I met David, and we just acted very quickly. Uh, I, I noted that uh, Andreessen Horowitz uh, had announced a venture investment in, 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 uh, in Coinbase, and um, I think it was uh, Union Square had announced an investment in uh, Ripple. And I was like, so there's a couple of big venture companies that I'm you know, familiar with just from my history in technology in Silicon Valley, and yet I don't see any angel groups. Uh, is there such a thing as an angel group in, in, in Bitcoin or crypto? And David, uh, literally, we're at a cocktail party. He said, and I just met him. He said, no, why don't we start one? And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, I'm kind of busy, but uh, yeah, that's a good idea. And then I came up with the name BitAngels right there. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of good at naming things. I've named a lot of products and tokens and things like that. And uh, David then, you know, man of action, got on his phone and said, I'm going to set up a, a website right now. Let's get the domain. BitAngels.com was and still is uh, owned by uh, Kraken. <laughs> Will not sell it to us. But we got uh, BitAngels.co. Jesse, sell it to him. Bit. Jesse's listening to the show yeah, right now. Jesse, know, sell him that know, damn domain. I know, I know, I know. Well, because you know what I, happens? I, I, Kraken is trying to buy that domain from him all the time. Kraken the liquor, the <laughs> rum or whatever, trying to buy it from him. He right. won't sell it to them. So now there's like a whole thing going on. Yeah, we, we ended up getting, you know, we're, we're at BitAngels.network. And uh, that's fine. That's that's what we are now. We've been at IO and CO and a few other things, but 
Um, you know, I, what we did was we put out a notice on the Bitcoin Reddit, which back then was only like, you know, tens of thousands of people and uh, said, hey, we're at the conference and we're going to have an organizing meeting. Anybody who's interested in investing in new startups that are, you know, having wallets, exchanges, we need to build the infrastructure for crypto. We weren't even talking about tokens yet because really there weren't any ICOs at that point. The first ICO um, was almost entirely funded by VidAngels uh, in August of that year. This is, this is, this is May. And Which one we was that? Was that the MasterCoin one? That was MasterCoin. Oh, yeah. wow. That's how it all ties together. Beautiful. That's how, that's how it ties together. Yeah. So we, um, we were hoping five or six people aside from the three of us would show up we got yeah. 30 and what was great was you know 30. and these are all new people to me yeah and and so you know Vinny Lingham was there Jared Kenna was there Roger Veer was there you know and uh you know I didn't know Roger at that point and I'm just asking people you know hey how long have you been uh, investing you know in, in in crypto and like most people were like somewhere 2013 somewhere 2012 and Roger's kind of like eh, 2010 yeah. well, there's a couple 2010 2011 guys Roger was arguably the first angel investor. And, um, you know, uh, in uh, Roger was arguably like the first angel investor in the crypto space, and he kind of defined for me what angel was. And and really, it's like most people don't understand, or I didn't know when I was starting a company. When you're raising money, you don't just go to these big funds and you go and you say, "Hey," like, and you're like the CEO, and you can just talk the talk and walk the walk. No, you need to be trained, conditioned. There's a certain way to do things. But at the same time, you need your angel investor. You need that person who's the mm -hmm. first one who not just puts that initial money in, but also like guides and explains and teaches and how to walk the walk, how to be the brightest crown in the box. That's what that. So Roger was that person for me, he became my big brother, my, my father when I was needing that family and community. So how do you define an angel investor and, and how important is that to really any startup, not just with crypto, but, but in any, in any company. It's hugely important. Uh, the amount of angel uh, money in just technology ventures in general is about five times the amount of venture capital. And, you know, they're taking the highest risks. So when it works out, they get the highest rewards. Um, but you know, they're managing their own money, not professional money. So they can move fast. And, you know, you go in and I, you know, I, Prior to getting to crypto, I raised money from Sequoia Capital and Hummer Windblad, two of the biggest VCs in, you know, Sand Hill Road. And, you know, it took seven meetings for me to be able to get a check from Sequoia. Well, you know, my first angel investment was from somebody that I, I knew for years, had actually been a client of my PR firm, had been a friend, and had made, you know, a boatload of money when, uh, you know, he uh, took his, uh, you know, his second company uh, public. Uh, and, um, you know, all of a sudden he's sitting on, you know, tens of millions of dollars personally, uh, that are liquid and, uh, you know, tens of millions more that are in stock. And he's starting to do some angel investing. It's a diversification. A lot of people who want to stay current with the game, um, and also want to sort of make their money work for them. Um, you know, if you take 5%, I mean, Jason Calacanis likes to say you should take 5% of your, um, of your net worth and put it into early stage, uh, startups. Uh, because if you know what you're doing, uh, you're able to go in. If, you, if it all goes to zero and everything else is just kind of conservative investments in stocks or bonds or, you know, obviously crypto is yeah. not that conservative. But, and you got a tax uh, you know, write-off. Those whatever. of us, we have. Yeah, but, but yeah. So, um, you know, if you have a 95% in sort of traditional conservative investments to real estate, et cetera, you know, maybe you're making 4 or 5%. 
And that 5%, if you lose it all, your 5% maybe goes to, you know, five point, uh, you know, whatever, 0.75 or something like that. But you could go and quadruple that money if you if you have a home run. And so it's your kind of portfolio driver, they say. So if you and have like- it also sort of like, you know, it, it gets you close to, uh, to new opportunities that, um, you know, in my case, uh, I'm an advisor, uh, I'm an investor, I'm a marketer. And so I'll find uh, companies where I invested in them, but I was also able to go and, you know, uh, help them with, with, my, with my PR company, Transform PR, which is part of Transform Group, which is sort of the umbrella that does, you know, Bit Angels now and Coinage and, 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 my, and advisory services and a few other things. But, um, you know, it, it's most, most angels, basically, uh, they want to stay in the game. A lot of them are kind of retired or semi-retired. Or they want to sort of make their money work for them in an area that they know. They say invest in what you know. Uh, you know, I don't invest in like you know a canned peaches company because I don't know <laughs> what makes a good canned peaches company from a bad uh, canned peaches company. But I do know what makes a good crypto company, and I do know some of the little things that people just tend to miss. And that's really, I think, my main value as an advisor. And being an advisor then also means that if I'm also putting money in, you know, I've got some advisory shares or tokens to sort of you know make my early stage investment, um, you know, uh, at, a, at a net average lower cost because I've got some advisory tokens that I'm earning. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I live in Puerto Rico, as you know, where uh, we have these uh, programs where, uh, you know, there's no, there's no capital gains tax for, for the U.S. or for Puerto Rico. So, you know, cash is trash right now. I, I think it's doing nothing but uh, going down in value against all the other assets. And I'd rather put things in a bucket of uh, startups where sure, sure, you know, it, in traditional startups, 95% fail. I'd say in crypto yeah. startups, if you're getting good deal flow, maybe only half fail. And uh, in a bull market, maybe only a third of them fail. And you can get some, you know, I'm an advisor to Bridge Mutual. I mean, they, they, they went up, you know, from the advisory round level, you know, like 40X right out of the gates. And uh, now, now they're larger than all their competitors combined in four days, but they, they went and got really good investors, really good advisors, and they really planned everything perfectly. Those finer details are so important. The little details that other people miss, the red flags and things like that. That's what you're helping people do, but also like figure out how to like wade those waters and, and trailblaze because you had to, to trailblaze that, that first time yourself. And so the Transform Group ended up becoming this, this uh, company that follows its own its own uh, uh, goal of of transforming and you talk you you mentioned coin agenda and so while in the early days everyone was focused around conferences and getting everyone together so now you and this goes into angel investing and it all comes together with you you figured out that it's not the conference that's the important part but what's more what's more important about the conferences when you have all these people that are coming together in one location you figured out that all these people are not, and myself included, we're not interested in actually going to the conference. We're interested in hanging out with each other. So you created Coin Agenda based on that. And, and, and how did that come to be? Well, Coin Agenda came as a logical next step for Bit Angels because Bit Angels in the beginning, uh, and of course now with the pandemic, but in the beginning it was all virtual. You know, we had 30 people that got together at that initial table and hung out during the conference. And then we started a series of uh, weekly um, calls where we would go and vet the deals that would come to us. 
uh, and then we would spin them with one or two, sometimes on bull market three, and maybe from all over the world, right? So we'd have, a, you know, uh, we would have a, you know, a company that's doing a, a South American exchange out of Peru, and then we'd have investors who were calling in from, you know, from Russia, and so we we had a hard time picking the right time zone. I think we did it like, you know, you know, morning West yeah. Coast, uh, lunchtime East Coast, um, and that way you were able to kind of get in. To most of Europe as well, and then the Asians had to either get up early or stay up late um, or watch the replay. And we did go and um, film all these things, record them, and uh, they're still in our archives. Uh, you know, if you're a member of BitAngels, the BitAngels.network, you can uh, go in and look at all the archives, including you know we have a video of uh, people grilling Vitalik on uh, what Ethereum is going to be. Uh, oh my back god! Back in uh, I think uh, you know maybe February of uh, 2014 after he did the white paper. I need to go check that and, out right and of course, now. And, and of course, and of course, I'm going to put that in the show notes, about. guys. That that video, I need to put that <laughs> in. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. Hey, guys, it's Charlie. And remember that time we interviewed Anthony Trenchev from Nexo Finance? Well, they are on a roll right now offering 5.9% APR on your crypto credit. You'll be able to borrow at less than 6% on some of your crypto. They got a savings account that's offering 12% interest a year. And now they have an integrated exchange so you can trade between all your cryptos without ever leaving their integrated wallet. It's so amazing. Make sure you check it out at nexo.io and start earning interest, start managing your assets because crypto banking just got real with Nexo. I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> I love Nexo. It's such a great company. So you guys know that Courtney and I love Valentine's Day, and I'm super excited because my sponsors over at Big Casino and my friends are offering a whole big Valentine's Day promotion, Big Red Heart promo. What you got to do is go to bitcasino.io forward slash Charlie and make sure you opt in on the promo page. Once you do that, you go back to Big Casino and click that big heart. When you click that big heart and you wager 15 MBTC on any of the games that you already love, you'll get three times the amount of mystery prizes added to your account. That's three times as many prizes added to your account. All you have to do is go to bitcasino.io forward slash Charlie. Opt in, click the big red heart, say happy Valentine's Day, and get your 15 MBTC wager in to get your prizes bitcasino.io forward slash Charlie and happy Valentine's day, everyone. Well, those, yeah. those, it, it became more about the dinners and the meetings and, and the conversations. Right. Well, what, 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 what happened was that bit angels would have bit angels breakfast at other people's conferences. And then we ended up going and having yeah. a bit angels, uh, you know, a meetup um, at like the inside bitcoins conferences. And I finally said, you know, all of a sudden there was like, we were supposed to have a meetup and it was in New York city and it rained and nobody could get there. And I said, you know, this is crazy. We're up to at that point, a couple of hundred members. I think we were five or 600 members at that point. And I was like, we need our own conference. And so I decided that I wanted to be, cause I also was trying to get traditional tech investors interested in Bitcoin, interested in crypto, interested in, you know, they didn't call them ICOs yet, but interested in, uh, in dApps. You know, uh, the, the fund that we did, Bit Angels Fund One, was 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 renamed the DAPS Fund because it only invested in DAPS. Yep. Um, and uh, you know, David Johnson was really the driver of saying we're only going to invest in DAPS. And you know, we had a pretty good track record. We raised ten thousand Bitcoin back when they were six hundred bucks a piece, and we put a million into Ethereum at thirty cents. Um, we put a million into MadeSafe, or I think a couple million into MadeSafe, you know, under a penny. And obviously, you can see what the price are today. 
you know, we ended up distributing them as soon as they uh, uh, went on the exchanges because almost everybody we had were traders. And so had we been a traditional fund and like held on to them for seven years, we would have been the most successful fund in the history of, uh, you know, venture capital because we would have yeah, held, right. a, you know, All Ethereum to like $1,000 instead of uh, distributing at 70 cents, which is still a double, but, you know, that's where, that's where the carry came out of. But, uh, you know, the main thing was just the stuff that we got for ourselves too. Um, but uh, that was the DAPS fund. That was in uh, March of 2014. So we hit that whole 2014 uh, wave of early, they called them Bitcoin 2.0. Remember that phrase? Oh yeah, Bitcoin uh, 2.0 back in 2014. Yeah. Those are yeah. all the, the so all that was the, that was the, that was the Ethereum part of that wave. And the next wave was 2015 with uh, with, uh, you know, we went through a crypto winter in, in late 2014, early 2015. And um, the thing that really kind of uh, got people uh, the ability to get funded again was Augur. Augur was the first uh, company to um, actually use ERC20 as a fundraising mechanism where you could go and actually, you know, just here's the address and anybody can go and put it in. And it was just like, you know, what MasterCoin had done with Bitcoin, but it was like automated and it was just, you know, and, and it, and it, you would then have a smart contract to prove that it's going to go, go back out to you. And they were the first ones to do that. And so, you know, I'm very proud that like, you know, we work with Augur uh, on their ICO. I've had Jeremy on the uh, show. I need to get out. Joey, Joey Krug on the show as well. Yeah. That'll be a great episode to talk about that. Cause that was kind of like when they conceptualized it, but you look at PR when you're advising those companies back then and you're advising them now going, oh, you're doing this for so long. The, the who you're talking to and the narratives and the messaging and who the audience is on the other side has changed. Because now, like, for example, with Coinbase going public soon, what type of PR and media preparations do you think they have to make? And, 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 and as other ones go public, because you said once the first one goes through, how will the relationship mm -hmm. between crypto companies and the media change? Well, I think that um, it'll be similar to what how the internet was perceived before and after Netscape going public. Um, you know, oh, there was a God. lot of people. I mean, there was a big piece in in Newsweek that. that basically, you know, said, um, you know, the internet's a joke, and um, it was a full page uh, editorial say in 1995 before Netscape went public, and it was uh, it said you know, the internet's a joke, and that you know people are not going to go read things on their computer. They're going to use. They're going to always use a fine, you know, glossy print magazine like Newsweek because they want to sit under a tree and this and that. And of course, the internet is now, uh, you know, accessible to more people than have toilets. And uh, Newsweek is out of business. So there you go. And uh, but you know, I, I saw the same thing coming with, uh, with 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 crypto. And so what I was trying to do with Coin Agenda was a have a home for the bid angels to go instead of having to crash everybody else's party or or like work around it. And B, to take these investors who should be investing in crypto and they invest in, you know, things that to me are much higher risk than, than Bitcoin. Back then they're investing in like, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, early AI, you know, logistics and, you know, all sorts of things that are, you know, hundreds of one shots to make it. But, oh, if they do, they're going to be big. And, you know, they, they would go to these conferences and I started speaking in a lot of these, you know, you know the finance panels, the venture panels, the the uh, the angel panels uh, that we usually want at every conference, and so I'd invite people and say, "Hey, you should go to Inside Bitcoins. You should go to like uh, you know uh, Coin Congress or some of the older shows that aren't around anymore." And they go, and I say, "What you think?" And he goes, "Well, I like your panel. Um, I understood that they're talking about investing, but 
had I, I, I didn't get what they were talking about, you know, scaling and uh, libertarian causes. And like, you know, it was just too much stuff that was like, if you were new to the space, you wanted to hear why should I invest in Bitcoin? What else out there is fundamentals, et cetera. I mean, try to explain DeFi to a family office. Yeah, and I tried right. to explain it to somebody who actually owns crypto. They own, they, own, they own Ethereum, they own Bitcoin. And I tried to explain DeFi and they're like, well, who's the counterparty? You know, who's going to be, who do I sue? You know, and all this stuff. And I was like, what's in a smart contract? He's like, no, 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 I'll stick with SoFi, you know? And so every new iteration of, uh, you know, innovation on the blockchain and in cryptocurrency has a new layer of explanation to investors. And so what I wanted to do was, I called it originally when we started in uh, October, 2014, um, for the first uh, coin agenda, I said, it's going to be the Goldman Sachs conference crypto but Goldman Sachs isn't running it. And, right. uh, you know, I wanted to have it be because I got invited to all these, you know, traditional tech investor conferences. Every investment bank has one, Goldman Sachs and, uh, you know, uh, UBS, and they'll have one for medical or they'll have one for, for semiconductor. And they'll, you know, they'll invite their best clients to show them the new opportunities. And they're usually companies that they're backing and they'll, you know, go and charge everybody, right? Except for the buyer. You know, the buyer gets wined and dined if you're if you're a Goldman Sachs private wealth uh, client, and if not, you'll pay like two or three thousand dollars, and you get a really high level experience that you don't want to leave. And um, as opposed to like a lot of the early crypto conferences were like, hey, a hundred bucks to ten, and there's the food card out there if you want to go and you know, grab a sandwich. And that's fine for the OGs, but that's not the way to bring in new people, right? That's not a way to bring in family offices. So from the beginning, I wanted to go and you know have a high end conference, uh, you know. Obviously, some of the price depends on whether we're in Bitcoin winter or Bitcoin summer. But you know, we were charging twenty five hundred dollars or twenty five hundred euros at at the at the peak, and I'm sure we'll be back to that again in the next year, so that we could afford to be able to go in and do things like we had a dinner at the uh, at the Knights of Malta Castle in Malta, oh, wow. and we had the premier of Malta do our opening keynote right when he uh, did his his crypto friendly jurisdictional uh, uh, um, you know legislation. I remember you were renting out nightclubs in Vegas for us. Transform Group Vegas parties. I miss those. Uh, we did. And then, um, you know, we would have big nightclub uh, things. Uh, we had uh, one opening party we did at uh, um, uh, overlooking the strip from... Uh, yeah, the, it was the Bellagio. I remember the that Bellagio, one. one of their big nightclubs. Hyde. Yeah, that was great. And um, That was fun because that was the first conference that I had gone to post-prison. So I didn't see anyone for two years. And then I came to that event and it was just like seeing all my, fr Ivan and everyone. I'm just remembering like yeah. giving hugs. It was crying. It was tear. It was the most, so thank you for doing that. But it was the most unbelievable experience. Well, that's, that's the thing that we're trying to like, you know, just keep the community together. And we just sort of have to upsize or downsize based on, on the ability the bear to, market. um, you know, the bull or bear market, you know, I mean, so for example, we haven't done, um, Coin Agenda Europe uh, in 2019 because you know, nobody wanted to sponsor it. Whereas in Vegas and in Puerto Rico, you know, I'm not going to lose that much money because they're my home markets, right? True. And um, it, and whatever money that I lose by not getting sponsors, I'll just put my own sponsors in. You know, I'll just you know, and and I'll break even. And the point is that the relationships just by doing this twice a year are, are priceless. And so, and I have to keep the quality high. Uh, you know, this year because of the pandemic. You know, we had to do, um, we actually had the final, Coin Agenda was the final crypto conference. It was in February of 2020, the last week. 
it was the week before the first cancellations when Perry Ann Boring canceled the Washington DC. Oh yeah, I summit. remember. And February um, we, 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 yeah, so we got out, we were like the week after the NFT conference, NFT NYC. And we were the week before the first one that got canceled. So we had the final week of February. NYC. And That's great. Yeah, it was a good conference, actually. Why didn't I go and to again, that? Besides the... <laughs> that sounds awesome. It was a good one. It was, and it was, uh, it, it got their community together really well. I mean, it's all about getting community together. It is. And they're, they're an early thing. So they held it at the Edison Hotel and everybody was crammed in. It wasn't like a really high end one, but they had, had a higher end speaker's dinner, you know? And so, you know, with, with, with Coin Agenda, the whole idea is that everybody's a VIP, you know? And so, We'd held a, a, a bit angels sort of like um, pitch session that's that's free for everybody who gets selected to present, and that's that was held like you know historically more at like um, you know kind of a pre-show where you didn't have to attend the whole conference, you didn't have to pay anything. If you wanted to and you wanted to get a table, then we'd give you a discount because you know you were chosen as this, and that's still pretty much the model we're going to be having this year. We're we're moving Coin Agenda Caribbean to December, and we're going to run it right after um, Art Basel. Because oh, we get perfect. a lot of crypto people down into Miami for our Basel. Come down to Puerto Rico, and then we go back for Bitcoin, yeah, Miami. Yeah, yeah. And there was no particular reason to have it in February other than that's just when it was nice weather. But it's nice weather in December, too. And also with so many people moving down here, if you come down here in December and you decide you really want to you know, make it happen, you can still get your driver's license and, uh, and, and rent an apartment before December 31st, which means that your next year is a full year rather than a year of the move. But I won't get it too much. I want to I want to talk about the 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 act. It's Act 20 and Act 22, right? Act 20 and Act 22, Puerto Rican uh, Hacienda. Correct. Uh, I'll talk about that in a second. And I also want to talk about your um, your big mm -hmm. war against AT&T. But there's a common thread with everything that I've learned about you sure. a few years ago. You are someone who die hard follows his instinct and his gut. And that's something that I'm personally striving to trust my own instinct more, you know, like the flow state going with the flow. Do you remember any like point in your life that you said, wow, like I'm happy I trusted myself. And because of that, you had a much more firm like belief in your own, your own personal capital. Because a lot of people struggle with that, with their own like self-worth or, or belief in our own uh, growth, getting out of that box of what we're doing now to go to the next level because we're scared to trust ourselves. Sure. So that's a great question. Uh, I would say I grew up in Buffalo, New York and, you know, sort of working class, you know, steel mill town. Um, my dad was an artist. Uh, he just passed away at uh, age 97, uh, you know, about a month and a half ago. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, I think he always wanted to be just the, you know, an artist and, and, when you grow up in a steel town, what you have to do is you have to find, you know, art jobs like designing wallpaper or working in a factory that like does, you know, so he, he would paint on the side and he actually did a one man show at age 90. And so a lot of people did love his art, but uh, you know, he had to figure out how to make things work within that kind of environment where your environment defines you rather than you defining what your environment should be. And I always thought that, you know, uh, even though I like to say Buffalo is a great place to, grow up, get moral values and, and grounding, and then get the hell out of town and find some place that is as big as your dreams. Um, and I was always encouraged not to have dreams by, by people around me. Not my family. My family encouraged me. Um, but, but they always still, there's this kind of like, you know, <laughs> I think that may be one reason why Buffalo's never won the Super Bowl or whatever. I hate to say this, but, um, you know, they, they just like, oh, well, at least you tried. You know, you tried. It's okay. It's like, you're not rich. You grew up, you know, uh, working class. So you're, you're, you're just, you just, you tried. That's good enough. You're never going to beat the, the man. 
Yeah. And I was like, but I know other people who beat the man. And so I think the initial thing was, you know, I had several times where I was like, I want to go to Syracuse University because it's the top journalism school in the country and I'm a writer. And I knew that I wanted to do something in journalism. I didn't even know that PR was going to be, you know, the path that I ended up taking because I was, a, you know, just kind of a, you know, working, you know, daily newspaper, chasing fire trucks and writing stories journalist first at a small town paper after graduating from Syracuse. But, um, you know, my dad is like, I can't afford Syracuse. And I go, well, that's OK. There's 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 like, you know, there's there's grants. There's this or that. There's like scholarships. And everybody I knew just encouraged me. They said, no, no, no. Why don't you go to like, you know, your community college or like, you know, I can get you a job in a factory. And I just was like. My gut is, no, I know what I want to do, and I'm not going to be discouraged by people saying, you know, don't, don't get uppity and above your class. And I was right, and I was able to go and do that. The second gut feeling I had was when I did get a fellowship, um, I noticed they structured the fellowship or the scholarship that you got a free ride the first uh, two years, then they gave you half of your uh, tuition and, and, and dorm fees or whatever the third year, and then they give you nothing the fourth year because they figured by then you're on the hook. So I figured out a way to... I get two degrees in three years by basically going into the state school and transferring the credits. And the state school was free for me or, or oh. almost free. And so little, little hacks like that. And I would run them by people and I'd say, no, 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 that's not going to work here. You know, they're, they're not gonna, and I just always was like, you know but what? Why not try? If you're not a bigger expert than me, why not try? That's what know? I tell people. If you're going to end up in the same place you were, why not just try? Right. Why not ask? And, you know, sometimes you get, sometimes you get ahead of yourself, right? And, and I've certainly had startups that have failed um you know and i and it, it, the, the thing is just knowing when to say, you know try real hard and then say maybe this isn't the one